For the 12th episode of the World Triathlon Podcast, we continue on our Olympic theme with a special edition featuring six of the world's best looking back at last year's Tokyo Test event. We were in the company of Christian Blumenfeld, Miriam Casillas, Flora Duffy, Tyler Mislachuk, Summer Rappaport and Henry Schuman as they relived the women's and men's races and followed Tommy Zafiris on a preview of the Tokyo 2020 bike course. We get to hear how they handled the heat, the pressures of qualification and the brand new course and how it will shape their approaches to the main event in 12 months time. Great to have you here, hope you're all well. Um, yeah, we're going to start with a run through of the bike course uh, Tommy's Affairs did during the Bike Fam. Then we have the women's race and then the men. Um, so yeah, we will get underway. Before we start, Henry, I know you've been not very well. Um, good to see you here. Hope you are recovering well and everything's everything's okay. You feeling better? Yeah, um, <clears throat> like I've passed the worst. It's been three weeks that, you know, I haven't been training and trying to get over the worst parts, but uh, still struggling with like a bit of fatigue and headaches and some of the symptoms, you know, my taste and smell is still trying to come back. I've really missed the coffee smell and taste. So, um, but yeah, like the worst is behind us. And yeah, I think we, I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, yeah, everyone else doing okay. Christian, you've been uh, touring Europe lately, I see. <laughs> How did it go? How did you go in Austria? It was good. I think we finally got the chance to travel again on the 15th of July. So on the 16th, I were on the plane to Austria. So it was nice to kind of feel a little bit more back to normal. So we've been now three weeks, done two races in Austria. And like earlier tonight or yesterday, I came to, to France for a build-up that's supposed to go into the European Championship in four weeks and also Hamburg. But now it seems pretty dark with the European Championship, but hopefully we can get uh, to Hamburg and race there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on, obviously. Uh, Flora, where, whereabouts are you at the moment? Um, I'm in South Africa, so like Henry, but a um, different part of the country. I'm in Stellenbosch, mm-hmm. um, but I'm usually not here this time of the year but we're unable to travel. It's very difficult to leave South Africa at the moment. So it's been my first winter in many years, but it's it's a pretty nice winter here. <laughs> yeah, there's worse places to be than Stellenbosch if you're going to be stuck yeah. somewhere, right? For yeah, sure. exactly. Well, great to have you here. Thanks. And Summer, whereabouts are you right now? Uh, I'm currently in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, my husband was relocated here for his job over the winter, so when everything went on lockdown, I was coming home to a new home for the first time, but it was kind of nice to have a new place to explore. Good stuff. Yeah. And Miriam, are you, are you in Spain? Yeah, I'm actually now in my hometown, and is in the south of Spain. And yeah, pretty warm here, <laughs> mostly like in, in Tokyo right now. So yeah, training here, like waiting for travel or competitions. Tyler, lockdown started kind of strange for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in a different spot now. I, yeah. uh, I drove 25 hours. I live in the center of Canada. I'm on the West Coast now. So that's how big Canada is. I drove from the middle to the, just to the coast, and it was 25-hour drive. So I'm, uh, I'm on the West Coast island here. With everyone checked in, it was time to follow Tommy Zafiris around the bike course that they will all be tackling in 12 months' time in Tokyo. It was kind of slick out there for the familiarization. Um, drier for the women's race, kind of wet for the men's race as well. Um, 
Tyler, how were you? How were you finding the the course in terms of, you know, the, the I know like the paint on the streets has been specially done so that it's non-slick and it, it kind of doesn't reflect the heat quite so much. Um, you know, did it feel like a course you could attack? It was grippy and so on, or yeah, it was pretty smooth. Uh, I'd say the one thing in the men's race uh, was we had extremely high winds. And uh, coming in, in it, out of the buildings was, I'd say that was probably the biggest factor where it got a, a little bit bunched up or side winds. And I think a lot of people were riding pretty deep dish wheels. And I, I know I was, and I think it really affected, uh, affected the race. Yeah, it's, um, it's an eight lap course. Flora, how did you find it out there? There's a lot of turns that you can really attack but there's a few particularly the way that the, the course is kind of some of the transitions between sections of the course and some ramps um it's quite it's quite a different course to, to a lot of the ones that are out there right yeah i mean i thought the course was amazing before i arrived in tokyo my husband and i we were scouting the course out on google maps and um yeah it was interesting to see because at one they built a whole ramp over the beach where we rode we were looking at it we we're like wow are we gonna ride over that so it was pretty cool that yeah the surfaces did change a lot very technical lots of tight turns um yeah so it was very challenging out there but i mean yeah great <laughs> <laughs> yeah christian not quite necessarily the uh you know some of the the hills and stuff that you would perhaps like to to be attacking but um i think the like what was really special on the test went were uh, the wind and the wind was really making the course i guess because like from this point of the race or from this point of the course and all the way into transition almost you had tailwind which made it easy, very easy to just go to the front and stretch out the field and I guess uh, that was maybe the biggest impact on the bike course. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not really sure if that will be the same in the Olympics, or if it was just like on uh, kind of typical weather we had on the day. So uh, I think that that can be a big change for Olympics. Henry, how like there's there's a lot of different surfaces as well throughout the the course that you're kind of contending with. How, how much of that are you? aware of as you're riding do you have to kind of change the change your style to suit some of those different surfaces or like there's tiling there and obviously a lot of carpet through transition and so on if it's dry you don't have to really change too much it's i think it becomes more important when it starts raining or you have like a wet surface and you're changing surface um then you've got to really be careful especially with the man cover uh, manhole covers those can really be slippery if it's wet and yeah, like I think through these technical bits, uh, positioning is quite a big thing because if you like towards the back where we're looking at now, like you can get um, the group normally splits up and then you'll find yourself in trouble. And then there's, a, you know, there's a couple of, well, this is uh, like the, the sharpest hairpin kind of on the, on the course, I guess. And then I, I think it's down into the tunnel shortly after what kind of, do you have a sense of like what kind of speeds you were you were hitting, Miriam, for example, like coming down down those uh, those straights into the tunnel? Um, are we yes. talking sort of sixty kilometers an hour kind of thing, or? Yeah, I don't remember the speed. I don't know, but we go no. pretty pretty fast. I think. 
I think this is one of the hardest session of the section of the course because yeah, you go in a line after the technical part and here is when uh, you can push is an easier, not technical part. So is where everybody like want to be on front before. If not, you are gonna push a lot to be on the group again here or to make the difference. So I think it's one of the hardest sections of the course because you have the downhill, but also an uphill at the end of the of the tunnel and another U-turn. You want to kind of use that speed that you've obviously generated coming back up that that hill after. Um... It's the section when everybody is like in a line totally because you go after the technical part, but here is where you can push. So go into another U-turn is uh, you need that speed and that moment to go on the front of the group again if you want to be to be there and to have a good position to to be in to suffer less than than the people that is going on the back summer how did you how did you find it out there um you know a course that you've never no one's ever ridden on during the bike fan were you like just trying to take in and, and remember as much as possible how how do you Kind of approach the familiarizations yeah absolutely i try to scope scope out the courses in advance and um try to understand what the most difficult sections of the course will be going in and then try to challenge myself on those sections during the course familiarization um, i had actually visited odaiba where the tokyo course is after the yokohama race in may a few months earlier and um, it was pretty incredible just to see how much had been built up. It was pretty hard to imagine what it was going to become uh, after seeing it just three months earlier. So it was definitely interesting to ride on the ramp for the first time and actually see where um, some of the turns on the far end that went onto the highway where they actually ended up coming out because it was pretty hard to picture a few months earlier. Yeah, so that ramp wasn't even there then? when you when No, you it was just a bike path and we knew that they had to do something because it would have been very, very tight in a big group if it had just stayed as it was. It was an early start, certainly. Um, I mean, Flora, for as far as starting your kind of Olympic racing, presumably you don't want to be waiting until the end of the day to, uh, to have to start your event. It's quite nice to get them out of the way early, is it? Yeah, well, usually with um, WTS racing, we never start that early. It's usually like midday or 4 p.m. start. So it's definitely kind of a surprise. And you finish the race and you're like, wow, I have the whole day to actually do whatever I want, which is kind of a strange feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean, racing in Tokyo, you definitely wanted to start early because it was so hot, um, hot and humid. And the sun rose so early that actually starting at 7 a.m. I think we did, it didn't feel like 7 a.m. It actually felt like midday just because the sun had been up since like 4 a.m. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But yeah, it was nice to be done, over and done with before you could really overthink it too much. Mm. And so for the women's race, obviously the temperatures, the, the, the heat stress indicators were high enough to shorten the run course from 10 to five kilometers. Um, Miriam, you know, how, how soon before the start will you, do you get that kind of information and um, what, you know, how does it affect your immediate pre-race buildup? I mean, obviously it's, that is a decision made early on the morning of the race. It can't be any sooner than that, right? 
Actually, it's kind of funny because um, I didn't knew that uh, until I finished my warm up uh, because I I listen on the well on the on the background that someone was speaking about that is 5K and before with a problem with the emails and everything I didn't know it so what's kind of funny because I I couldn't change anything but also like yeah we we train for that race but we train for that 10K. We, we've been ready for there and in that moment you just have to to adapt so in that moment there's no there's nothing to change just uh, just go for it and summer were you you know you're used to kind of hot water swimming as well but it was it was very warm water um was that a, the, the sort of conditions that you were feeling you could put together one of your best swims uh yeah i've I've done quite a few World Cups in Mexico and I've performed pretty well in those. So I thought I had a lot of experience racing in the heat. Um, I know how to adjust my warm up, how to um, like when to put on an ice vest and when to kind of take those measures. Um, I don't think I had ever done an Olympic dis. I actually, I take that back. I think I've done one Olympic distance in similar conditions. So that was a little bit of a switch. Uh, but I felt that I was well prepared just from the World Cup experience that I had had. Hmm. And Flora, for you, uh, it must have just felt great to be back on a on a race start line as much as anything, right? I mean, it had been a torrid fourteen months or so um, with the injury, so just to be back there must have felt incredible. Yeah, it was so nice to be back racing. It had been over a year since I'd last raced, and yeah, it had been a pretty brutal year. Um, so coming into this race. Um, yeah, it was quite nerve wracking because obviously there was a lot on the line. This was an Olympic selection race for most countries and you're racing at the test events. So that's already quite like a prestigious event. So for me, I was like, yeah, quite nervous. Didn't really know if I still had it. Um, they're very tough race conditions to come back to as well. But I will say when I woke up at 4am or whatever, I turned my alarm off the phone and I saw the email from World Triathlon about the five, it being switched to a 5k. And for me, I was just like, oh, thank goodness. Because I truthfully, a 10k would have been pretty brutal for me at that point in my return to run. I, I, I really had not done the, the amount of running that you need to put together a decent 10k in those conditions off an Olympic distance swim and bike. Um, so that was nice. Though truthfully, I don't, I don't think it should have been shortened. I don't think the conditions were too extreme, but that's another topic. Um, but yeah, it was great to race and get on the start line. Uh, but it was brutal. It was full on. I didn't remember that WTS swims were so hard and fast and that water was so warm. Yeah, it was, it was ugly out there. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the heat stress indicators are obviously there that and you have to kind of, whenever that, those limits are reached, then the decisions have to be, have to be made. But by the same token, everyone's um, hot weather preparations had obviously been impeccable. Um, Miriam, where had, had you come into, into this uh, race, having done a specific hot weather training in a, you know, were you in, in a lab or were you um, just in, in, you know, Thailand or somewhere doing, doing your preparations? 
Well, we were doing like, um, yeah, a long period of uh, heat preparation. And we also, also with summer, uh, we arrived there to Japan. We stay in Tateyama for 10 days before the race. So like al almost two weeks before the race. And yeah, we've been doing like for the whole year, heat prep in every place we've been. And that was, that last 10 days was the, the last acclimatization to the heat. And yeah, I think like the, the the water temperature was was probably the worst of the of the heat more than the run of the or the bike that was maybe what we were expecting but i think know how to swim in a warm water was the the more like i think i think was the, the worst in that moment so so the best you can achieve if you are ready for that right i mean so what how does that Differ. How does the temperature of the water affect your swim start then? How, talk us through just that. Is it is it the sensation? And it's obviously you well, you're you're sweating a lot more than usual, I guess, as it as you would on the run of the bike. Well, yeah, you have your your whole body inside the water, so you don't have like wind to refresh you a bit, or you cannot put water over you or you are just like on that temperature, your whole body, even your head and everything. So I think it's really difficult to cool down, cool down for your body. And that's the, it just make the swim harder. I think <laughs> the feeling of, yeah, really, really ugly and hard out there. So obviously, uh, as Flora said, there was Olympic qualification on the line for a lot of the athletes. Um, Summer, your, the USA, uh, criteria was pretty clear cut in a way, complicated, but at least clear cut. Can you, can you just explain that for us? Um, so in Tokyo, up to two athletes could qualify, um, but one athlete had to finish on the podium and the second athlete had to finish in the top eight for two to qualify. Um, if we had two in the top eight, but nobody on the podium, then just the first athlete in the top eight would qualify. Um, and if we had three athletes in the top eight, um, still only the first two would potentially the top two would qualify. Mm -hmm. And um, it's looking to be um, a similar procedure for the test event that has yet to be selected or the selection event that has yet to be chosen for next year. It was originally going to be Yokohama this year. So two spots are still up for grabs for the women and um, potentially three for our men. I think that they're um, one of the last um federations to be in the bubble for three spots right now if it, the qualification were to end right now mm -hmm. um but um only two can qualify automatically if we get three spots All right just to bring the fellas in because obviously this is the women's race but we don't want to leave you hanging out so um henry as far as the qualification for you um presumably there wasn't anything riding specifically on this race and it's just uh it's it's a little more straightforward for for you and and Richard in this in terms of South African team qualification. Yeah, our qualification is pretty simple. We just have to essentially qualify under the ITU standards. Um, so I think that's the top. I think it's top twenty five ranked. Um, so we basically just have to uh, reach that. Yeah, and and Tyler. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of up in the air because our last event was Yokohama. So if I went top eight there, I'd qualify. Um, 
but I think just like everyone now, it's really, it's, it, if you haven't qualified, it's kind of hard to tell. You kind of just do your training and just like, we don't know if racing will happen same way with qualifications. It's not worth stressing over it for me at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just back to the race then, um, Summer, you had, had a great swim. You came out, I think you were just behind Jess coming out of the water. Is that right? That's right. She had a pretty big gap on everyone. She uh, has such good start out speed. She was able to avoid the congestion, just kind of get way ahead. Yeah. And then obviously she put the hammer down straight away. Katie, that was Katie just tucked in behind. And then Flora um, back on back on a bike uh, and, and chasing for the first time in 14 months. Like I said, yeah. you know, that, that must have been a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> it was obviously great to be racing, but yeah, it was hard. I mean, I had a bit of a shaky swim. Um, Jess was pretty phenomenal out there. Clearly the warm water didn't affect her at all. I mean, she just kind of swam away from us. I don't know if maybe on that second lap, well, the change from first lap to second lap, whoever was on her feet must have just dropped off. I don't know, Summer, Summer was up there, so she could probably give a bit of a blow by blow of how Jess managed to just sneak off the front. But yeah, she was riding really well. I don't, I, I don't know if Katie was being a bit more strategic, but she didn't seem like she could ride up to Jess. Um, so then it was just, yeah, us in the group trying to just get to the front of the race. And for me, I didn't, I knew that I couldn't really rely on my run. So I just needed to make this bike sort of as hard as possible and just to keep myself in the race for as long as possible. Uh, we're coming up to Katie's crash. So this is an interesting, yeah. quite scary point of the race. Um, I'm not quite sure how Katie managed that, but she just sort of took a pull, drifted and clipped the barrier. It sounded horrible. Um, yeah. You were right with it. Yes, Summer, would you have also maybe have seen a bit more? Katie was quite close to me and it was just like, sounded horrific. Um, I'm not I, sure I didn't really see it. I just heard bikes hitting the ground and I didn't really know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, had quite I a big surge to get back onto the pack after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like panic, what happened? Um, yeah, so it was that was quite a crazy moment. Yeah, so, uh, uh, so that was the end of Katie's race. Um, Kirsten Casper was able to get back on and I think Miriam, did your group then, did, did she then join your group? I can see you there with Taylor, um, Sophie Coldwell, non Stanford. Were you guys feeling like you were, you were able to, to kind of make some headway into the, into the group, into the lead group? Well, we were riding pretty hard, but uh, the time were increasing. So uh, I know like Flora, Jess, and all of the first group were riding really, really hard. I think it's also it's a better course for a small group, but also they were riding really strong. And yeah, Kristen uh, randomly appeared in our group, and we didn't know what what was going on on the front of the of the group. I just uh, saw that she has a, a cut on the leg, but I didn't know if someone more grass or not. So we were we were really focusing in, in our job in that moment, and yeah, and go as hard as we can and stay in there. Yeah, Flora, I mean, would you have said, you know, a group of six working together with, you know, the likes of Alicia Beto and, and Jess Slimont, is that, was that kind of an ideal 
front group as far as you were concerned if you weren't presumably you weren't looking to make a huge breakaway in your first race back for a long time so mm-hmm. uh, you were able to stretch out the lead and work well together yeah no that's like perfect scenario we worked pretty well together um for the most part i mean definitely whenever jess is in there and obviously katie um it's just like that's like great to have those two in there and then sometimes you need to encourage and shout at a few others to come take some pools um which is just part of it part of the game uh, but yeah we worked super well together and on a technical course like that yeah as miriam said having a smaller group is just so much better so much more efficient through the corners and then yeah here we are onto the run this was like uncharted territory for me i was like oh gosh running off a bike this is I haven't done this in a while. Um, so yeah, I just tried to really just focus on not losing too much time to Jess and Georgia and just every water station, just taking two or three bottles just to keep myself as cool as possible and get as much as liquid in. Um, Cause yeah, I was starting to get pretty warm out there. Yeah. And, and Summer, you'd kind of come off the back of that front bike pack, but from the, uh, inroads you then made into the leaders in the run you were obviously your legs were feeling pretty good as well um and you know to the extent that you might have been a bit disappointed that it was a 5k not a 10k were you yeah I was uh I feel like I do pretty well over 10k and I felt like I could perform well over a longer run in hot conditions but um I thought that I did the best I could with the race that we were presented with and um it was enough for that day fortunately for myself. So yeah, after one lap then at the bell, Flora, you were eight seconds off Jess and Flora, uh, Jess and Georgia. Um, And yeah, definitely starting to be relieved that it was a 5K race, I guess. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. and, And the heat, like at large, I mean, you know, you said, a lot of people said that you know actually the the conditions weren't as bad as weren't weren't as hot as they they'd felt so you were still you were still feeling pretty good over that last lap yourself yeah i mean for me the heat wasn't an issue at all i did a really good heat prep i mean i'm from bermuda this is like a normal summer day in bermuda so and i've raced well in hot conditions before honestly for me i just hadn't done the run volume so that was really difficult Um, But yeah, so coming into this, I was really keen to see a sprint finish between the two. I thought there would be a high five and off they would go because I was still kind of in sighting distance. Hmm. So I was really thrown when they grabbed hands and then crossed the line together. Um, So that's kind of interesting. But then I was also like just so relieved to somehow manage third in my first race back at the test event. And yeah, it was a big sigh of relief. Uh, you you finished in what position, Summer? And uh, so you I were just outside the top eight. So my spot still would have been safe. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. I was moved up to fifth. Miriam, for you, uh, you not at the time, but you you finished two thousand and nineteen um, as the first Spanish uh, woman qualifier, right, for for Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Right now I have the the qualification. Like, and our federation like uh, say to us that they will keep the the spots that are already qualified. So yeah, I I had one of the spots. Like we had a criteria for Tokyo and also for the whole 2019. And and I and I did that 
that qualification. So so yeah, now even that this is like one year more, I'm calm with that, that I can like be focused in training for, for the race. Yeah, to have that extra year and um, not have that, that worry looming over, that, that must feel good. Well, yeah, it's, I feel pretty calm with that. Uh, yeah, because uh, now it's, it's pretty difficult. We don't know if there's going to be racings or no, and everything is, yeah, it's difficult time now, but it's good to know that uh, I'm going to be there. And yeah, I can be focused and be ready only for that race. And that's my, my goal and, and my mental focusing. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for that. And we will uh, move over to the men's race now. Christian, as far as qualification, you were obviously at Rio 2016, um, for which your qualification was fairly uh, complicated, right? Um, how mentally and, and, and how does the, the, the relative ease of what, what should be this, the, you know, this, uh, approach to a to your second olympic games does that allow you to sort of savor and focus on that particular race that much more do you think yeah it was quite two different uh qualifications because going into the 2016 race i was actually when the whole qualification period started i wasn't even high enough ranked to get into the races i needed to so i barely made it into the world cups uh but then like in a very last few races that i managed to get some top spots that made me qualified for for um, rio olympic games but since then i've kind of more been able to prepare and uh, just getting ready for the 2020 and taking the qualification uh, almost uh, as, uh, as as it would be safe to get qualified uh, because all we need to do is to be top 30 or three guys top 30 and then everyone be, will be able to go. And I think at the moment I'm like top 10, Gustav is around 15 and Kasper just around 20. So at the moment we have like all qualified and uh, uh, ready to go. So actually now with the one extra year uh, into the hopefully the Olympics games, uh, we now will try to get a second girl up and uh, so we can have a shot at that final uh, mixed relay uh, spot as well. So that's kind of our new ambition now. Okay, so yeah, we'll move to the, the men's race. Uh, the temperature was a little down on, on the women. So it, it was the uh, it was the full 10, 10K run. And Henry, you know, you're, you're building up to, to what will be your, your second Olympics. Um, did you feel going into the test event that this was uh the first step obviously in in that next olympic campaign and that you can approach it in a in a slightly different way this time around it being your second one and do you feel like you, having learned did you learn a lot during the rio build up and race itself that you can bring towards towards this qualification period and and the race itself in tokyo um the preparation was very similar to what i've done uh, in the build up to rio so for me, I mean, I didn't have any pressure on myself to perform or not to perform. Um, I just went to Tokyo test event purely to see the course, test it out, test the heat. Um, exactly that, you know, testing it out and seeing what it's all about. So for me, I felt very confident in 
how my fitness had progressed and where I was at before that time. But it was actually quite interesting is that I made, we made a couple of errors in terms of the final few days preparation. So, you know, that's something that I'm going to take with me and that's what I've learned. And definitely, well, hopefully next year that I'll be able to, um, you know, fine tune that and, and get it a hundred percent right. Yeah. Jake Bowers obviously went in at number one and Tyler, I, I mean, looking at that top 10, given the, the world series season that we'd had with, um, you know, you on the podium and Hella Heens and Dorian Connings making, uh, getting their first gold. So that the season up to that point had been wide open and, uh, it's not like, you know, Mario had dominated the year before and so on. So this race, perhaps more than any of that kind of level, was was completely open um, and on a new course as well. Um, there were certainly opportunities there for, for like, you know, 2025 20, athletes to, to really make that that play for the gold. Yeah, I uh, someone asked me like a few weeks before the test event, you know, who I thought was going to do well. And I, I didn't have an answer because the year had been so shaken up compared to previous years. We had so many different guys on the podium. And again, when it comes to these hot races, it's you know, sometimes unpredictable what, what the body, you can do as much heat prep as you want, but something goes off in your hydration or you mess something up the day before the race and your body can be off. Um, so, yeah, I think even going into the race, I, I wasn't thinking about who was going to be, you know, my competitors. It was just like, like probably the same as these guys was just do what I'm doing and we'll see who's there. <laughs> this was definitely one of your strongest swims as well. Would you say? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't swim well in the cold water. Uh, it's not a secret. And, uh, so I think just when it's hot water, I think everyone slows down a bit and I kind of just swim the same speed as I normally do. Um, uh, like summer I've raced in Hotoko this year. Uh, so I skipped Leeds WTS on purpose because the only race similar to Tokyo was Hotoko on the calendar. So we made the decision that I probably wasn't going to be chasing a world series, uh, overall rank that was going to be doing specific races. So, uh, same thing in Hotoko. I was first out of T1 which normally wouldn't happen. Um, but because the water temperature was higher, I was able to swim a little bit faster. Having the, the Olympics in, in Tokyo in water that is, I mean, it's up to, you know, in the high twenties, right? So that, that alone gives you that little edge of confidence going into a, a race that, uh, you know, if it was in a cold water, then you would immediately feel at a disadvantage. Yeah. And I think in general, I like a lot before the start, everyone was putting on ice vests and uh, I didn't even actually put on an ice vest for the race because I got out of the water warm up and with the wind, I wasn't even, I was actually a little bit cold. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm quite sensitive to the cold. Um, and it's something that even on a hotter day, obviously I can introduce an ice vest, but um, something that I didn't even have to do on the day because for me, it didn't feel that warm. So that's, we're now at the halfway point of the swim. Um, presumably you were expecting to see Richard Varga behind you, Henry. Yeah. Um, generally he's, it's either me or him leading out the swim and, you know, I just wanted to kind of see if I could stretch the field out a little bit 
on this particular day um because i know you know if you getting if you bring your heart rate up there and you're almost redlining it you're not going to be able to hold it especially when the temperatures are over 30 degrees in the water it's basically like a sauna so and with a bit of chop you know it's, it can also spread it out a little bit further um so yeah, i was just basically you know i'm wasting energy but just seeing seeing how what what happens after i do that hmm. yeah christian i mean as henry said there was a bit of chop out there despite the fact that it was it's a bay swim so you know you shouldn't be expecting too much in the way of waves but could you could you get a sense that the wind was kind of creating a little bit of chop in there as well yeah you definitely felt like the difference between swimming out from the pontoon and back again and uh, especially on the way back from the boys to the pontoon i think it was kind of uh, you felt like the pace was certainly higher again because then you got like less uh, drafting uh, benefits from the guys in front and uh, also I, I find it very hard like so sometimes i can be feeling really good in, in the swim and then having a crappy swim and being far back and then here i was lucky to kind of be up front and uh, had a quite good good uh, swim i think i was next to johnny for uh, most of the swim and also with tyler so uh, uh, I was actually quite surprised when I saw the live coverage afterwards to see like how far up front they were on the swim there on the day. Yeah, that boy was looking pretty hectic as well. Um, so good to be out of that. Henry, you don't tend to be too involved in that, I suppose. <laughs> I have before and that's yeah. generally why I make sure I'm, I'm <laughs> around in front. <laughs> yeah, that sounds wise. And then coming, obviously, um, you know, it was a test event. The crowds were there were there were good crowds in the um, in the transition grandstands there. But I'd be kind of interested to know, like, as you came out of the water four years ago in Copacabana, was did did you really sense like the crowds roar as you were coming up the beach and into transition that first time? Oh, yeah, it's it's just another experience. It's on another level. It's just uh, it's amazing. Like you just come out of the water because generally you don't hear much. It's, it, apart from the water and you emerge out of the water and you just hear the roars and the screams from the crowds and it's it's quite something else and it's uh yeah it's it's i'm very fortunate to be able to experience that and then coming out first was your intention well talk us through what your kind of tactics would be right now um you know you've got a a decent lead not a huge one would you then be looking to try and extend that a lot. Obviously, not really aware of exactly how other people were going to come out of transition. Is it are you just going red line for the first section of that first lap? Um, you know, just getting into my own pace. Basically, I mean, I knew the field was a little bit stretched out. I had a look back. We kind of came around a little um, a bit before we finished the swim, and I could kind of see the field was stretched out a little bit. So, you know, I kept the pressure on in the front, but uh, early on, we kind of got into a small little group, which was perfect. Like, I thought, okay, this is great. We're going to hopefully get away. The, we've got strong winds, which can maybe be in our favor sometimes, but and to, the, the, there was just no one really wanting to put any work down. Like, I, I tried to bring the guys through, but no one was really working. They're just kind of sitting up. I think they're more scared of the heat and 
the fatigue that you'd get later on in the race. But I think next year in the actual Olympics, the I don't think that would really happen. Christian, you had a mountain lion violation, right? Um, was that just absolute over eagerness at trying to kind of get on and get 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 up with that front pack? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, I think I was just like having like a double tap over the line that made me getting like touching the shoes a little bit too early. Uh, but I didn't really know that before, like get well into the bike. Uh, but I think again, uh, I crashed out on the bikes. So I didn't really have to uh, stand in the penalty tent, but uh, I guess it would have uh, impact the race if uh, I had to. Uh, yeah, you never like to start a run with a 15 seconds uh, deficit. No, no. So you, yeah, so at the time you didn't realize that it had happened. No. Um, but and, and of course I knew that I, I were like just behind the front group, and I really had to do whatever I could to catch up. And I think I was like uh, sprinting all I had, like the first lap, to be able to bridge up to the first back. Yeah, well, you had good company, right? You had uh, Martin Van Riel and Dorian Connings, I think, and like the three of you made up the gap pretty quickly. Yeah, I think we used like a lap basically before we came up, and then I had like a lap of recovery before I managed to move myself to the front. Yeah, and then it was you know a good kind of thirty athletes in that in that huge huge train. Um, so at what point was the, the crash and what, what, think, what occurred during it? I think it was with two laps to go. So it was quite late. So I managed to get like a sense of the course and get through a few times. So uh, good experience to kind of feel how it, how it is to race in the heat, even though it was super warm on the day. And, uh, and you never really know how it is to start running after the bike, so it's still kind of unknown how I would have been reacting after the after racing that hard from the gun. As you can see, a lot, a lot of the guys in the front pack were kind of pulling up. I think I think it was getting a little bit like more pressure from behind. People wanted to get uh, into the front before the uh, headwind section of transition, and then I was uh, kind of for five. 10 seconds, a little bit uh, careful. And suddenly I was at the tail of the group uh, going out of transition. And on one of the white lines, I think Martin Van Riel was slipping on the wet surface. And then I was thinking maybe going like on the inside of him, like I tried in Hamburg to Andreas Schilling, but then his bike was kind of snapping back out again. And I was, uh, kind of uh, uh, tackled down by him that way. So then in, in the race here, I was kind of thinking opposite. I could just try to break as much as possible, but then I just went into the fence instead. Uh, I think it was with, on, with like a lap and uh, a half to go almost. Right. And Tyler, you were there kind of tucked in, you know, spent quite a lot of time. It looked like in sort of third, fourth wheel there. Um, was that a deliberate, you know, not wanting to drift further back and get into what could have been a bit of trouble? You had Matt Sharp there, obviously, with you as well. He's very easy to spot. 
Yeah, Matt's a bit taller than me, so I'm uh, I'm I'm hitting a lot. Um, yeah, it was it just on a course like this? I think a lot of people underestimated the sting that it would put in the legs because it was just so on off, especially as the group got bigger and bigger. It was the normalized power versus the average power was was quite different, even being near the front of the group. So the strategy, obviously, with any race is to minimize the damage on the legs when the, when you know it's going to be one big group, which now we're watching is kind of all the players are, are pretty much back in the race now. I think like Henry said, I think being a, being a hot, everyone was a little bit nervous uh, starting the bike, just not to over extend, but uh, I can't be see it being the same next year. If you have a group like we had of 12 guys off the front, I think that group's gone, but um, I can't tell the future, but that would be my guess. Yeah, Henry, would you agree? Like, it, it's far more likely that there's going to be a couple of people kind of trying to put the hammer down and, and really test, or I, I suppose, kind of get rid of the just break up that that break up that front group and ask the question of a few more people earlier on. Yeah, I think a, a big thing about it is it depends who's in the group, and if you had just have like the right nations who have the similar tactics as what I go for then definitely I think the group will def get away. But I mean, like Tyler said, you can't tell the future, but uh, Olympics has its history for a breakaway. So, so yeah, how, um, how were the, the legs, Tyler, as you were putting the bike away and, and getting out those first strides? I think whether you... Uh whenever you get off the bike, even if you feel good or bad, the first few steps, you, you never really know, uh, at least for myself, it usually takes a few hundred meters for you to kind of realize where you're at. Um, just the pressure, you haven't been standing, you jump off your bike and my legs are always weak. So I didn't really know where I was at until I would say about 500 meters into the run. Henry, whereabouts for you as you were coming out of the second transition then? also like very well placed right oh yeah well there you go very well placed in third <laughs> yeah i had a pretty good transition and like yeah i mean you never know how your legs are going to feel until you actually start running and for me i actually as soon as i started running the first 500 meters i knew i'm not right but you know i just pushed through just so that i could finish the the whole race and the and the feel the run what it's like and the humidity i mean we didn't have the day that we were kind of expecting with the heat and the humidity. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been good to have a real good test of that, but, you know, nevertheless, I still, I had a pretty good result. Like I think I was, it was seven, eighth or ninth, one of those positions. And I mean, I can take a lot away from that. So I was pretty happy. Summer and, and Flora, Miriam, were you, were you guys watching this race at the time? Um, you know, were you course side or watching on triathlon live or? Yeah, I watched the first half from my hotel room because it was so windy and stormy. I wasn't super Nearly. keen to go outside, but then once I got onto the run, I went down to the course um, and watched the race. But it was so crazy to see how different the conditions were just from our race the day before to their race. So, it, which was really good to, to see and feel and witness because, I mean, that's how the weather could be um, next year in Tokyo for us. And like, as Tyler said, 
well, I, I'm also, Tyler and I are also like compact builds. <laughs> so if you have like deep, the deeper your wheels, you definitely notice it more. So it would be like definitely an equipment change that I would make if the conditions were like this next year. So it's just nice to know that. Mm. And Summer, you must have been on a high still from the day before. Yeah, I was. Um, I was watching on triathlon live. I think I missed the first half because I went for a run and I remember thinking on the run, I mean, I was pretty tired, but I just remember running back from like a 20 minute run, like two minutes slower than I ran out. Um, and I was just like, maybe it's good that I'm not racing today. Um, but yeah, it was good to like, to see what the conditions could be like for the race. Um, and I just wanted to stay inside because I was hoping to be selected for the mixed relay a few days later and try to recover as best I could. Mm-hmm. Mary, were you watching and did you have your, your money on anyone at this stage? Well, it was difficult to think and also like almost not Spanish there, so we missed them. Uh, but but yeah, I think it was, it was really good uh, and nice to see to see the course again and to see how the chain the race can change not only for the weather, if also for for the way the the boys race, and also because there weren't a breakaway, and in our race there was. So I don't know. I think it was was good to be to see the different and and see everyone racing there. But I also miss this the Spanish there on the front. <laughs> yeah, no Mario, no Javi. Obviously, was a shame. But um, yeah. So Henry, yeah, I mean as as they they sort of st- started to pull away and as you said like you kind of realized this wasn't necessarily going to be your your race um but still johnny and gus for for company yeah i mean it, it was kind of it would be pointless if i just kill myself trying to stick with them uh <clears throat> i wanted to try and finish the race as best as possible so the best thing was to do was to just run my own pace and not try and stick to the front group i mean the guys were looking pretty good um so big ups to them but yeah, like, I mean, I just want to run through the entire course and, you know, take everything that I can from it. And Tyler, you had, yeah, Casper Jonas, who, had, you know, he'd made a couple of plays on the bike. So um, presumably his legs would have been feeling those. And yeah, there was a couple of times just like there where it seemed like you kind of diverged to one side of the track as you as you tried to pull away. Is that Was that something that you kind of like to throw in sometimes or...? Uh, there was a lot of talking going on at that point. Um, I kind of, I kind of had said to some of the guys, if we take turns, uh, because it was quite windy, but, um, only Hayden really was, uh, taking it on with me, which was fine. Everyone's racing their own race, but, uh, so yeah, just moving out of the way or doing different things to not make it super easy on the guys. Obviously if you're running behind, especially on a windy day, uh, it's a big advantage. Although I'm not a huge frame to uh, draft off of, it, it still is a draft. And I mean, you know, the close up there, you definitely looked pretty comfortable. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, my strategy or my coach's strategy obviously was, again, we were planning for a hotter day. So I raced it in a similar way that I would have on a hotter day. Um, I didn't really overextend myself until the last lap. Uh, I was kind of running within myself for it. Oh, well within yourself i mean you're still hurting you're you're racing a triathlon but uh as much as you can keep it in control uh while racing casper actually ran in his fastest ever 10k in a race during this race and it was the same time as yours tyler uh 
again, you know, given the conditions, I suppose maybe it speaks volumes more of the, the preparation as well. But um, where, where does that stand in, in the kind of realm of your times? Um, just off the bike, it's, it just depends on the course. But fresh, I, uh, I obviously a quite a bit quicker fresh. But what I thought was interesting was went through my head was the, the three of us running together. I think if you were a betting man, if someone had bet on three guys running, uh, for the win in the last lap, it, I don't think anyone would have put on a bet sheet the, th the combination of the three of us, uh, it just shows racing the triathlon, on the tape of year. We have the depth of guys that, uh, anything could happen on the day. Here we're watching, uh, Casper, uh, kind of make his move. And it was, uh, it was, it was a pretty dominant move at the time, but, uh, right as we're running down the hill here, um, uh, he, he saw that I had caught back up and he started to slow down. And uh, I yelled uh, that Hayden was going to catch us if we slowed down. So I was spurring him on, but you don't see that on the camera. Yeah, if you can, you can see my coach uh, when we go onto the straightaway. My coach is actually right in the background. And uh, it's a nice little visual. You can see his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like your, your kind of key takeaway from the from the race then Christian obviously like you said you didn't get to do the uh the second transition onto onto the run but um but plenty of lessons learned and data taken away and so on yeah and also I had two teammates who managed to do the full race so we do share kind of the experience from the race and uh, and uh, yeah uh, so it's still like a good experience to have been able to race through at least the swim and bike and uh, i have to see it like being able to see the race on on uh, triathlon live afterwards as well uh, it gives you kind of a feeling that you're still been in the race even though i wasn't at the last part yeah and just back to you flora like yeah coming coming back from that that time out and and to be able to have left tokyo with such a great result uh can only do wonders for your confidence going into the next 12 months yeah absolutely i mean thrilled with third um then to be sort of weirdly upgraded to the win was kind of weird but it felt like my luck was changing so you know <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> yeah this was part of uh yeah a bigger something yeah. <laughs> strange day <laughs> <laughs> yeah and miriam um as we said like a great feeling to to know that you're qualified already and uh to be able to kind of meticulously plan that next 12 months huh yeah now a bit a bit crazy or difficult to plan anything but uh, but yeah all the focus is in in that race and i have the experience that i qualify in the last moment uh, for Rio and that was pretty tough to after be ready for the race so uh, that was my main goal for for these two years to qualify as early as possible and I did it so yeah now it's just time to to be focused on prepare that race yeah so like it's been a crazy few months for everybody so to have that uh in the bank must must have helped um have you have you been able to you know, have you been coping well through the through the lockdown and, and able to keep keep on top of things? Having my qualification in the bag has definitely helped me stay motivated. Um, just talking to different people. I know that some people have had a hard time just not knowing what's next. But for me, 
knowing that I'm going to be on the start line in Tokyo on what we now know is going to be July 27th for the women next year has just gotten me out the door every day and helped me get in some good work. Um, nothing too crazy or too flashy, but good consistent work through this time. Yeah, good. Henry, we hope you continue to uh, get better. How, how's your health? Like what kind of percentage are you at, do you reckon? Probably like 0%. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay. well my health um yeah like i think probably 80 percent there uh we just need to check you know make sure that the tests come back clear so i can get back to training and not put unnecessary stress where my body is already under stress so this virus it's a new thing and you know we're still learning so much about it and uh yeah you just can't take any chances the big day is next year and that's what we are focusing on yeah for sure and tyler from your parents basement then in in uh quarantine for a while to uh you're, you're back to normal training yeah i'm back on the the national centers based out of victoria which is a small island off the coast of canada beautiful place so uh i'm fortunate that i'm healthy and i wish henry the best i know uh it's not an easy situation and um yeah just just try to stay healthy and just like everyone said next year Tokyo we know when it's going to be well planned to be so that's kind of how I'm how I'm training and acting in these times yeah for sure and Christian are you are you at altitude at the moment did you say is that is that your yeah, current yeah. I just uh, came to form uh, yesterday so finally I got the chance to be in altitude again as uh, even though I've been home in Norway and but been able to do most of the training uh we are not allowed to use altitude tent and there is no really place to go to altitude at home either so uh, it's good to kind of be back in the altitude and uh, in normal training again ish um and yeah did you get that hat in austria <laughs> yeah I, I visited the hq of red bull so uh, right. but, but, uh but the downside is that i can't uh, put it in the bag because then it would kind of be floating or <laughs> So I always need to have, have it on while traveling. So <laughs> it's a cool one. Well, obviously it's been great to have you all on and thanks very much for your time and excellent to, to relive the test event with you all. Yeah, thanks. Cheers, thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, some pretty amazing insights into the Tokyo course and mindsets there and we will of course be having plenty more of those over the next 12 months. Thanks to Christian, Miriam, Flora, Tyler, Summer and Henry. Next week we'll be hearing from reigning world champion Katie Zafiris as she dials in from Maryland USA with her sights on a return to racing. Thanks for listening.